Not as much giggling as the nine o'clock. I appreciate it. I was very embarrassed. Um, good morning, good news. My name is Jenna Fisher, and I am part of the planning committee for our Super Sundays, hence why I'm dressed like this. Um, if you are new or visiting with us, a special welcome to you guys. You chose the right place to be on a Sunday morning. Um, in the seat backs in front of you, there's actually a Connect card. Um, so if you could fill that out and put as much or as little information as you're comfortable with putting on that. And then on the way out, there's some black boxes located by the exit doors, and if you can just drop them in there. Um, Go Conference. So on your seat, there's actually little pamphlets that talks all about it. 13% um, of our tithes and offerings actually go to our global outreach. Um, and this reaches um, people all throughout the world to spread the gospel. Um, and on Friday, I mean, I don't really need to read it because it's up there, but I will. Friday, April 28th, um, there's a lunch. And Saturday, April 29th, there's also a lunch. And this just gives you an opportunity to see who you are supporting and how we are changing the world one church plan at a time. Um, okay, why I'm dressed like this. Square dance. So you might be like, thank you, Shrine and Shannon. You might be like, Jenna, I do not know how to dance. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to eat the food and dip. No, no, no. If you can hold your hand up, walk in a circle, throw in a do -si do take direction. That's a big one. If you can follow directions, then you can square dance. It's not super hard. We have a sweet um, square dance caller, a line dance caller, a sweet caller. Her, she's really sweet. Um, Anyways, she's coming out to call the dances. And so be there, be square. Um, oh, food. Okay, so County Road Provisions, um, they are a barbecue truck that Strider and Shannon love. It has a stamp of approval from them. So they are providing the food and the dessert, but we need your help with the sides. So on goodnewsloves.com, um, if you go to like the happenings page, there's a sign-up sheet. Um, please, please, please sign up. We need... We need all that food. Um, and then the birds and the bees, which is May 6th from 9 to 12. This is the sex talk with your children. Um, if you as parents are not um, talking to that about your kids, this is an awesome opportunity to do it because if your kids don't hear it from your parents, then who or what will they hear it from? So um, I believe childcare is provided. I'm getting a nod from Strider. Yes, last time I said that in the nine o'clock and I was like, there's no one to tell me if there's childcare, but there is childcare. Mark that on your card. Um, it's just an awesome opportunity to open up that conversation in a safe and healthy environment. Um, and yeah, there are actually some new members coming to join. So I'm gonna welcome up them and Smiley. Thank you, Jenna. We had a Discover Good News this week, and uh, so we have John and Doreen Robbins who came and uh, found out about Good News and want to make Good News their church home. So really excited about that. So I had a chance to hear of your faith, but here's an opportunity for you to publicly acknowledge your faith. And listen, when we take the membership vows, it's a good idea for all of us who are members to say, wow. I said that at one time. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving, justly deserving his wrath and hopeless without his mercy? I do. I do. And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners, and do you trust him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? I do. I do. And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as followers of Christ should? 
And do you so promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? Great. Let me pray for you. Lord, thanks so much for John. Thank you for Doreen for calling them to you. We pray that we would be a church where they would feel welcome and could continue to grow in you. And Lord, those gifts and abilities you've given to them, that you would use them in our body to help us become more and more the body of Christ you would have us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to welcome them now, but really encourage you after the service, make sure that John and Doreen feel welcome. So glad to have you guys. Thanks. We love to catch people doing something right. And so we were at our staff meeting on Tuesday, and Tony was talking about how much work Debbie Kennedy did behind the scenes on Easter for a first serve to help make Easter such a special, special day. And we give God thanks for that. Thank you, Dora, Debbie. Oh, um, sometimes I forget, but each of these rings here represents someone who put their faith in Christ. And uh, we had an amazing week this week where we saw eight different people profess faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. You're going to get that for me because I'm old. I, I can't even imagine theologically what that means when you drop in life. <laughs> Thank you. There's got to be something really wrong with that. Oh. Before we open up God's Word, let's spend some time in prayer. Lord, how thankful we are that once we lived in darkness, but you called us out of the kingdom into the kingdom of your marvelous light. And Lord, we're thankful for people who are serving like Debbie. Lord, and thank you for seeing eight different people put their faith in you this past week. Lord, thank you. We're here today because we need you and, and you know our needs and pray that you would meet our needs. As we open up your word together, Holy Spirit, come and, and help us to see Jesus. Lord, win lost people and build believers and equip workers. Lord, multiply disciple makers. There are so many people in our county who need you. Lord, change us and send us out to share you. Lord, we are praying for revival. When we look around us, sometimes it can be overwhelming, but there's nothing too difficult for you to do. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, a pastor asked a little girl, why is it important to be quiet in church? And the little girl said, because everybody's sleeping. <laughs> you guys awake? All right, you're awake. That's good. That's good. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And while you're turning there, uh, if you're new, we're walking through the book of 1 Timothy, studying 1 Timothy, and we're kind of in a little mini-series called The Church Are Us. The Church Are Us in the middle of Timothy. And, uh, and I want you to know I love the church, and I want you to love the church too. There's two things I know about the church. The church is greatly loved and flawed at the same time. The church is both loved and flawed at the same time. And I want you to know that we believe that the church is the body of Christ and his primary means of accomplishing his purposes in the world today. With all the flaws the church has, Jesus is working through his church. As a matter of fact, his last command was given to the church to go and make disciples of all the nations. 
And um, that's why our purpose as a church really is to make disciples together. It's given to us together, that we would work together to make disciples. And so if we're going to make disciples, we need to know what a disciple is. And a disciple is a follower of Jesus, someone that Jesus has captured their heart. And they say, I want to follow you. And what would that look like? And so we said a disciple, you can see them because they love Jesus. Do you? And they love one another. Do you? And they love lost people. And so we're, we're spending a couple weeks looking at the importance of loving one another. Matter of fact, the, the point of today's message is the same as last week, which is Jesus enables us to love one another. Loving one another is really important, but it's hard and we need Jesus. Last week we learned the church is made up of all kinds of people. You have men and women, and you have younger people and older people and widows, and how we need Jesus so we can love all kinds of people. And we're going to continue that today. Today we're going to learn that in a church you have elders, you have elders, you have leaders, and you have members. And we need Jesus. We need Jesus so we can love our elders, and elders need Jesus so we can love our, our, our members. Did you know the Bible was written to be read together? It's so much more powerful when it's done together. You have men and women, and young and old, and husband and wife, and parents and children all hearing together. And so as we walk through the passage today, we have elders in the room and we have members and we, we read together how we can love one another. So in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, the elders, see there it is, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching um, so if, if we're going to love our elders, uh, one way we love our elders is we honor them, which is what it calls us here to do, is to honor our elders. See the word elders? The word for elders in, is the word presbyteros, which means an older person. That's what it means in general, but in the church, it's an office. It's the office of elder. That's why our church is a Presbyterian church. It means that we are led by a team of elders. As a matter of fact, Good News Church is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America, which is an evangelical denomination, and that means we believe that people are lost and they need to hear the gospel to be saved. And it means we believe the Bible is God's word, all of it. We're a Presbyterian church led by a team of elders, and what do elders do? Elders do two things. Elders rule and elders teach. They rule and they teach. Do you see that? The elders who rule well. So elders rule, and then especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching, and so elders are responsible to rule and to teach. Uh, the word rule, um, it's interesting. It's the same word that was used back in 1 Timothy 3 when the qualifications for elders were given. Remember when we were back in 1 Timothy 3? It was saying if someone aspires to the office of overseer, verse 4, he must be one who manages his own household well. So the idea of ruling is the idea of managing. That actually a good leader is a good follower. What is an elder? Well, an elder is someone who, who's become a good follower of Jesus, and he's learned to lead himself. As he learns to lead himself, then he begins to lead in his family. As he begins to manage his own family, then he can become a leader in the church and help manage or rule the church. So, elders rule and elders teach. 
Now, I, I want you to know in our church, we believe there's one office of elders, but there's two kinds of elders. We have ruling elders and we have teaching elders. Our ruling elders are lay people and they help rule the church and they're apt to teach. But then we have two teaching pastors, Dave, our pastor at our World Golf Village campus and, and, and me, we're both ordained as teaching elders. Strider's in the process of, of being ordained as a teaching elder. So we, we all rule, and some of us give ourselves fully to the preaching and teaching of, of God's Word. So the elders, ruling and teaching elders who rule well, that's what they do, are, consider, are to be considered worthy of double honor. Well, what is double honor? First, we honor elders because of the office they hold, the office of elders, a high honor. And secondly, we, we honor them because they rule well and work hard at preaching and teaching. Now, if someone asks you, what's the difference between preaching and teaching, uh, what would you say? Here's what I would say in Acts 18, verse 4. I love this verse. It's talking about Paul, and he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now, Paul's doing two things. He's what he's reasoning and he's also seeking to persuade to me teaching and preaching are cousins and they both contain reasoning and persuasion persuade persuading all right so to me in teaching that the top is the reasoning and underneath that is the persuading to me in preaching like i'm doing today the top is persuading i want to persuade you to love one another, and the reasoning, the teaching is to support what I'm seeking to persuade you to do. So, listen, Jesus enables us to love one another. He enables us to love our elders. Uh, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Now, the next verse is so good. Listen, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do you see what Paul is doing? Let me show you. He's taking an Older Testament verse about the ox and a Newer Testament verse about the laborer, and he's calling them both Scripture. Did you notice that? He takes an Old Testament verse and a New Testament verse and calls them both Scripture. Um, now, as a pastor, I'm not so sure I like being con to an ox. But the quote here comes from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, where we read, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. So they, they would use oxen, ox, boy, I'm having a tough time to, ox, oxen, thank you. They would take oxen, they would drag heavy sleds, and they would thresh the wheat. And the pagan nations would often put muzzles on the ox so the ox could work, but he would get no return for his labor. And our God is a God of compassion. And so God says, don't muzzle the ox while he's working. Let the ox, while he's working, partake of some of the fruit of his labors. And that's what he's talking about, about you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. And then the Newer Testament, you see, Paul and Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, they're friends. They travel together. Paul <clears throat> helped to disciple Luke, 
And Luke wrote something in chapter 10. In Luke 10, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. He says, Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Have you noticed there's a lot of people in St. John's County now? Do you know what Jesus is saying? The harvest is plentiful, what we need is workers. So Jesus sent out 70 disciples. Now, Jesus had 12 apostles, but he had many, many disciples, and he, he sent the disciples out to share the gospel because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. But here's the instruction Jesus gave, Luke 10, verse 7, stay in that house eating and drinking, uh, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. You've devoted yourself to the work of the gospel, to teaching God's word. So as you go out and share with others the word, they are to take care of you. So again, we have eight ruling elders who are lay people, four from both of our campuses, and we have two teaching elders who are supported through the tithes and offerings of God's people. The way we honor our elders is we respect them, and then we also financially support them. Um, you know, being a pastor is a really strange gig. You know what makes it really interesting? In retail, you tell people what? The customer is always what? Right. The customer is always right. But as a pastor, I get to tell the customer all the time what? They're, they're wrong. They're not just wrong. They're sinful. They're not just sinful. They're helpless, and they need a Savior. So I get to tell the, the customer every week that they're a sinner, and then I expect them to pay me a salary, huh? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty interesting gig, isn't it? So, Jesus enables us to love one another, to love, our, to love our elders, those who rule us and teach us. We give them respect. We financially support them. Now, we move on. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. To love our elders is to protect them against false accusations. Anyone who leads has people who make accusations against them. And what the scripture says is, listen, if there's an elder in our church, a ruling elder or a teaching elder, and someone makes an accusation and it's one person, don't listen to it. Don't take time to investigate. Don't pay any attention because we're called to protect our elders. But if two or three people come and they share with us the same thing, then we pay attention. So listen, to, to, to love our elders is to honor them, to protect them from false accusations, but also to be willing to discipline them when necessary, because to love our elders means we discipline them when necessary. Uh, <clears throat> those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also may be fearful of sinning. But you have two or three people, and they come to you, the same accusation, and it turns out to be true, and you go to the person and you rebuke them, and, and they continue in their sin, then the church needs to implement church discipline. And by the way, the, the church only disciplines people for one reason. Anybody know what that is? Well, you're about to find out. <laughs> because they're unrepentant. The only reason a church disciplines anybody is because they're unrepentant and they're ongoing in sin. Because if we discipline people for sin, who would we discipline? Everybody. That's what it says, the person who continues in sin, rebuke in the presence of all. 
So I want you to know there's two ways that leaders can sin in a church. One is by faith and one is by practice. One is by their teaching and the other is by their behavior. So if you have an elder in the church, and it's quite fashionable today to deconstruct one's faith, right? If you have an elder who's deconstructing their faith and they say they no longer believe in the authority of Scripture or they no longer believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or they no longer believe that marriage is the permanent union of a man and a woman, then you would discipline that person because they've abandoned the faith. It could be not a matter of faith, but a matter of practice. If you have a ruling elder or a teaching elder, and they're involved in ongoing immorality, uh, they're stealing money from the church, they're abusing alcohol or drugs or pornography, Listen, and, and you've spoken to them, and it's ongoing, you would discipline them. So what is the purpose of church dis discipline? The reason the church disciplines people for being unrepentant for ongoing sin is, first of all, to reclaim the person. We want to bring them back to Jesus. The second reason the church practices discipline is to protect the purity and peace of the church, to protect both the purity and peace of the church. And the third reason is to warn others so they don't do the same. When Good News was started many, many years ago, we had vacation Bible school in homes. Um, Bonnie over there and Clark, they will remember that. And, but we had vacation Bible school in our homes, and we had vacation Bible school in our home, and we lived at Volano Beach in a two-story house. So we had the kids upstairs, about 30 kids, and we had a teacher named Mary Lee, and she's teaching them. And we had a downstairs, and one of the children got up, walked out of the room, and went downstairs. You know what Mary Lee did? She got up very nicely. She went downstairs. She got the, son, the boy, and very firmly, she brought him back and put him back in the circle. And after she was through teaching, I said, why did you do that? She said, if I let the one boy go down there, another one would go, and another one would go, and pretty soon they'd all be gone. So what she did was she was warning others not to do the same, and that's exactly why the church practices church discipline. The first reason is to reclaim the brother, to protect the purity of peace of the church, and then to warn others <clears throat> from doing the same. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Man, God loves justice, right? He's not real fond of, of bias and partiality. I mean, you're watching a baseball game and an umpire is calling a strike zone and, and most of the players, they don't care how big the strike zone is, they just want it what? Call the same way on both people, right? And that's what it's talking about here, that if you really like the elder, listen, that doesn't mean if you really like him that you can, uh, can look, overlook what they're doing. And what it means is if, if you really don't like an elder, then you shouldn't take advantage of those false accusations. Listen, God wants us to, to, to treat them correctly and, and justly. But listen, if you're a leader, if, if you're an elder, or you're a leader in the church, the Bible says, listen, that there's great responsibility with that. In James 3, verse 1, we read, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Notice first person plural that, that James is including himself in that, right? Because he's a teacher of the word. Um, so, 
loving our elders, Jesus enables us to love one another. Loving our elders, we honor them and protect them against false accusation. Listen, when they're sinning, we need to love them enough to discipline them and do it without partiality. Now, the next thing we're going to learn is we need to choose our elders carefully. To choose them carefully, verse 22, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily. Don't ordain anyone to be an elder too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself from sin. Uh, Listen, we need to choose our elders very, very carefully. Don't do it too quickly. I mean, think of Jesus. He was what? He was 30 years old when he began his ministry, right? And and he came with... um, with great references, didn't he? I mean, the Holy Spirit came on him and and the voice out of heaven said what? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Um, So don't lay hands upon, don't set someone apart as an elder, a teaching elder or a ruling elder too quickly and thereby share responsibility of the sins of others. Keep yourself from sin. So what we do as a church with our ruling elders is they're nominated by the congregation and then they're trained, and then they're examined, and then they're presented back to the congregation for election. Listen, when someone is called to be a teaching elder, they feel an inner call. It's supported by an outer call. We recognize giftedness in you. There's training, then there's examination, and then there's an election and and setting them apart because the Bible says we shouldn't set someone apart too hastily. Carefully select elders. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Um, Kind of an interesting verse. But first of all, in our day of the prosperity gospel that's so prevalent everywhere, notice that Timothy had frequent ailments, and notice Paul didn't say, have more faith. If you have more faith, you won't have those ailments. He he, he didn't do that. he shared with them a way that he could deal with his ailments. And so, so what is that? Some people believe it's just a personal note that, that Paul is discipling Timothy. He has ailments. And in the midst of this discussion about choosing your elders carefully, he just says, hey, Timothy, a little wine would help you. But others believe, no, no, that it really fits into the passage that uh, at Good News, we love the naked gospel. I love to be able to say naked in church, Okay. And the naked gospel is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We don't add anything to Jesus. But what false teachers are always doing is adding something. And so they would say that Jesus plus not drinking, I mean, if you want to be a real elder, it's Jesus plus not drinking alcohol, then you'll be a real, you'll be a super elder. And, and Paul was saying, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But the frequent ailments, many years ago, our church supported a church and a school in Haiti. And I remember going to Haiti, and the guy that I travel with went to Haiti a lot, and he said, Smiley, every night after dinner, I have a cup of wine, a glass of wine, because what I find is all the water we drink and all the food we eat has got all kind of stuff in it, but I find that when I drink a cup of wine every night, it settles all the things in my stomach. And perhaps that was what Paul was telling Timothy, that the water was not particularly pure and they had problems in the food. And if you eat, if you drink a little wine with your meal, it will cure some of your ailments. Back to the idea of choosing your elders carefully. 
the sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after them. So we want to make disciples together. We're observing people in the church to see who we should set aside as elders. And he says, some people, their sins go before them, and some their sins come after them. And we say, what? Remember the parable of the two sons? Remember the parable of the two sons? Remember the younger son? The younger said, Dad, I hate your guts. Give me the money. See, his sins went ahead of them, right? He said, I hate your guts, Dad. And then what? He spent the money. He spent the money on immorality. He spent the money on drugs. Everybody knew of his sins. His sins, what they went before him, right? But Jesus said, some sins follow after. Remember the other brother? His sins, you would have to be around him. You wouldn't have heard because he said, I always did the things that are pleasing. But his, prides, his sins were pride and self-righteousness, right? Much harder to see the sins that come behind someone, but they're there than the ones that go before him. Ah, so, so in community, we get to know people. Some their sins go in front of them and some their sins follow after them. Likewise, also deeds that are good are quite evident. And those which are otherwise cannot be hidden. Jesus is our model for life and ministry. And when we see people whose lives are becoming more and more like Jesus, it's quite evident. When we see people who, who are involved in the ministry of Jesus, we see them winning people to faith in Christ. We see them discipling. It's quite obvious. I mean, remember what Jesus said in John 15, 8? 15, 8, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And didn't Jesus tell us to be fruit inspectors? So when we see people and their lives are becoming more like Jesus, we see in people love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and joy. We want to set them apart. When we see people whose lives are filled with the ministry of Jesus, we see them winning people to Christ and, listen, reproducing themselves in the lives of discipling. We want to set them apart. Um, so Jesus enables us to love one another. When, when we want to love our elders, we want to honor them and protect them against false accusation and, and discipline them when necessary and choose them carefully. So that brings us to our action step, and our action step is, again, the same as last week, is we're called to love one another. We're called to love all kinds of people, and it's not easy. It's not easy as a member of a church. It's not easy to love our leaders. It's not as a leader easy to love one another. So how do we do it? A lot of churches would just stop here and say, God calls us to love one another. Go do it, but we need help. We need Jesus. We need the gospel. <clears throat> the gospel says we have a problem called sin. And do you know what sin is? It's an authority problem. Sin is an authority problem. We don't like authority. Isn't that true? Isaiah 53, verse 6. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. How many? All of us. Each of us. Each of us has turned to his own way. We don't like God's authority. And so we don't put God first, and, and we don't reserve sex for marriage, and we're not content with what we have. And we don't like our parents' authority, so we don't honor our father and mother. And we don't like our pastor's authority, our elder's authority, so we don't listen to them, and we don't like our civil governments. We have an authority problem. 
That's his followers. <laughs> and when we're in positions of authority, uh, we don't handle authority well either when we have it. What do we say? Power corrupts and total power totally corrupts? We don't follow well and we don't lead well because we're all sinners. We've all sinned against God in word and deed over and over again. And what we deserve is God's wrath and we're helpless to save ourselves. But the good news is Jesus enables us to love one another. Jesus enables us to lead well and to follow well. How does he do it? Listen, Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh to come and save helpless sinners. Jesus followed well. He said, what I always do the deeds, I always do what my Father asked me to do. Wow, he lived perfectly under authority. He did that for us. And Jesus led well. What did he say to his disciples? Follow me. He led well. He followed well. And then he went to the cross. We read about that this week, right? Oh, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him because we have an authority problem. Jesus took our sins upon himself and died in our place once and for all, crying out, it is finished. He died for our sins, he was buried, but the third day he rose from the grave. Didn't you read it this week? Wasn't it so good? The angel said to the women, why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. You love what Matthew put in there too, right? Just as he said. Uh, when Jesus walked out of the grave, he proved that he had conquered sin and death, our two greatest enemies, and he offers us eternal life. He offers to forgive us for getting authority all wrong, both as followers and leaders. He offers to move into us and forgive our sins and to live his life in and through us so that we can follow well and lead well. He doesn't say try harder. He says, invite me in and I'll live my life in and through you. He gives us the chance to do life and eternity with him. And what does he require of us? That we receive him as Savior and Lord. Have you? Oh, the verse that changed my life in Revelation 3.20 where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will commend him and will dine with him and he with me. There was a day I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart. Do you? And I realized that I had sinned and I was in big trouble and and so I admitted to Jesus that I had sinned against him and I was sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that? You can do that now as we close in prayer. Lord, I didn't honor my parents. I, I, haven't, I haven't honored you and, and I haven't led while I've sinned. And, and then I said, I believe, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then I received him. Jesus, come in and forgive me. And he did, won't you? And, and I want you to give me eternal life. And he did, won't you? I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? And if you have, what did Jesus say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. When I received Jesus, he moved in and I was forgiven. It's so good to be forgiven, isn't it? When Jesus moved into me, he began to lift me to the standard. He said, follow me. I'll show you how to follow. I'll show you how to lead. And to help me in that, Jesus gave me the Holy Spirit. He gave me the Holy Spirit to give me the desire and the power to follow Jesus. When I'm called to follow, he says, look at Jesus. Look at how he followed. Don't you want to follow like that? Follow him. And when I'm called to lead, he says, look at how Jesus led. Don't you want to lead like Jesus? Follow Jesus. 
So all of us, we're all called to be under authority at some times, aren't we? Aren't we all called to follow at times? Oh, verse 17, the elders who rule well are <clears throat> to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard. Aren't we called to honor those who, who rule over us, aren't we? And you know what Jesus is saying? Follow me. Follow me and I'll show you how to do it. Follow me and I'll show you how to love your leaders and how to follow well. Oh, we're called to do that over and over and over and again in Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Listen, do you thank God for your small group leader, do you? Are you, are you thankful for those who disciple you? Are you thankful for your elders? Are you thankful for, for, the, for those who teach you the word? Do you appreciate them? Do you thank God? Do you encourage them? Do you pray for them? Do you gladly follow them? How about in Hebrews 13, verse 7? Remember those who led you? Remember those who grabbed Jesus with one hand on you and the other and said, come follow me as we follow Jesus together? Remember Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Man, they taught you. They, they set an example. They said, follow Jesus with me. Listen, if you go to a church in America today where the elders have not abandoned the scriptures to be the word of God, you are blessed beyond your wildest imagination. Do you remember those who led you? Man, do you encourage them? Do you pray for them? How about Hebrews 13, 17? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Oh, you ever read the Bible? You ever read about people who wreck their lives? Person after person. Listen, when we meet Jesus, we need to find a church and join it and put ourselves under the oversight, realize then that we're capable of wrecking our lives. I see it happen all the time. I don't need a church. I can do it on my own. So sad to watch people wreck their lives. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us. Pray for your leaders. Pray that we don't wreck our lives. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. Um, listen, Jesus enables us to love one another. When we're under authority, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me and I'll show you. I'll show you how to love your leaders well. I'll show you how to follow well. But what about us and who are leaders? What about us? Back to 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So... If we want people to honor us and appreciate us, maybe we should rule what? Well, and if we want people to listen to us, perhaps we should work hard at teaching and preaching and do it well, right? And isn't Jesus our model for that? Doesn't he say, follow me as a leader and I'll show you 
I'll show you how to rule well. I'll show you how to teach well. Um, listen, if, if you're a disciple maker, if, if you lead a small group, if you're an elder, if you're a dad in a home and you're trying to lead your family, how do we lead well? Oh, one of my favorite verses as a leader, one of my favorite verses as a leader is Ezra 7, verse 10. Look at this verse. For Ezra had set his heart. What does a leader do? He sets his heart. To do what? For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and then to practice it and then to teach his statutes and ordinance in Israel. What I seek to do every week is to study God's word and then before I come to you, I really seek to practice it so that I can then teach you what I've begun to practice. Wow, that's what good leaders do. They study God's word because they want to follow Jesus, and then they practice it, and then they, hey, come, come follow Jesus with me. Let's do this together. So if you're a leader, if you're a leader, listen, grab Jesus with one hand and set your heart to study and practice and teach, and then invite others to come and do it with you. Let me ask you, who do you know? Who do you know who really would love to hear what we learned today? Who do you know who's really struggling to live under authority? Won't you go to them and say, hey, could I share with you what we learned? What we learned is Jesus enables us to love one another. He enables us to love our leaders. Who do you know who's struggling to lead? Maybe they're struggling to lead in their home or in their small group or in their church. Wouldn't they love to hear what you've learned today? Won't you go and share with them that Jesus enables us to love one another? He, he, he says, follow me and I'll help you lead well and rule well. Because here we are today. Our action steps to love one another and we have elders and we have members. And then we have our community. And remember what Jesus said about the community? He said what? By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you, what? Elders and leaders love one another. And you know what we have in common as elders and members? You know what we have in common? We both need Jesus, don't we? Listen, those of us who are leaders, we need Jesus. Oh, we need Jesus to love well and lead well, right? And those of us who are members, listen, we need Jesus too, right? We need Jesus to love one another well and to follow well. So if we all need Jesus, why don't we stop and ask him to help us? Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that you can enable us to do what we could never do on our own. Thank you. Thank you for coming into this world to save us. Thank you for modeling before us how to follow well and, and how to lead well. And Lord, thank you for offering us uh, the opportunity to, to have eternal life and to receive you as Savior and Lord. Listen, if you've never received him, wouldn't you like to be forgiven? Wouldn't you like help in leading well and following well? Jesus is here. Won't you receive him? Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life and be my savior. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. 
If you've done that, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate that with you. Tell someone. Oh, Jesus, I pray for all of us who have received you, that you would help us to love one another well. Lord, when we are underneath authority, Lord, help us to love our, 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 those who, who lead us, Lord. Help us to encourage them and build them up. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are our leaders, Lord. Help us to follow you. Help us to rule well. Help us to teach well. Help us to set our hearts. Help us to set our hearts to study your word and to practice your word and to teach your word. And we 